Welcome, and thank you for joining us for Simple Truths, the podcast of Bible Baptist Church of Wilmington, Ohio. Today, we will dive into God's Word to seek simple truths for everyday life. Let's join Pastor Josh Dixon for today's Simple Truth. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the Gospel of John, John chapter 20, in your scriptures this morning. John chapter 20. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word this morning. John chapter 20. We'll begin in verse uh, 26, verse 26 of this text. We'll read down through uh, the end of the chapter. This really is a launching point for us. We're certainly going to make some application from this text today, but we're going to look at several uh, scriptures today. So keep your Bible handy as we work our way through this, uh, this uh, message this morning. Verse 26, chapter 20. And after eight days again, his disciples were with him, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Now this is the resurrected Christ. You know that. Thomas has said up to this point, I will not believe until I touch the nail-scarred hands and put my hand in his, in his side where the spear was. Verse 27, Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand, thrust it into my side. Look at this. And be not faithless, but believing. Somebody ought to say amen to that. Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Right answer, Thomas. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Thank you so much for standing in honor of the reading of God's word. A wonderful text it is. You may be seated this morning. I want to chart a new course today in the direction of asking the question here for the next few weeks, why do I? That's the question that stands. Why do I? Why do I or why do we do the things that we do? And why are these things so important to our lives? Speaking of the church, we we must never lose the edge of effectiveness and drive to do the things of God in our lives and in the work of God, the things that God has given us in the way of opportunity and responsibility to do for His glory. We would all agree that a believer is one who should be an individual of purpose, an individual of reason. Would somebody testify to that this morning? If you're saved, you ought to say amen to that. Amen? An individual of purpose and reason. Now, we're not perfect. But our life should prove, listen to this, the meticulous patterning of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit putting the pieces back together or blazing a new trail for us, shaping and forming, molding our journey, our life. What are we, what we are doing, excuse me, what we are doing here this morning is eternally important. I want to remind you, this is not a charade, what you have come to do this morning at 10 o'clock in this worship service. This is not a charade. This should not be a habit. This is not a ritual either. What we are doing here is shaping your understanding of God. We're allowing Him to faith form our future. For today, the question is this, why do I place importance on what I believe? If you're keeping notes, why do I place importance on what I believe. Charles Spurgeon said, I believe that one reason the church of God at this present moment has so little influence over the world is because the world has so much influence over the church. There are some essential things that require you to know what you believe. 
There are some things in your life, in your mind, in your heart today that you need to know and understand. Would someone please say amen to that? Now listen, you can procrastinate those things. That will only get you by for now. You will deal with these truths, better way to say it, these doctrines sooner or later. You could create your own opinion. There are so many that have done that. They have created their own opinion on truths and doctrines and and scriptural truths. You can go rogue. You can have a worldview mingled with your own opinion. But you need to see things the way that God sees things. You can water down and rationalize absolute truth. You can, you can try to explain it away. You can, you can go with conspiracies. They're all over the place today. You can come up with your own philosophies or worldly philosophies today. The things that you should, there are some things though that you should just accept by faith. It's important that we have faith today in absolute truth. Romans 10.10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made. Listen, unto salvation. The choir just sang, faith will make a way. Simply believe what God has said concerning, number one this morning, salvation. We need to understand what we believe about salvation, the way that God presents salvation to us. Jesus in our text of John chapter 20 is very clear to Thomas that it is important to not be without faith. Remember that only focusing on the things that are tangible or physical do not add to your faith. He says to Thomas, blessed are those that do not see and believe. I want to say to you this morning, it's a narrow entrance, a narrow entrance. It was crucial that Thomas had the right belief of who Christ was. Concerning his resurrection. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Please say amen to that. Let me say that to you very boldly as the scripture does today. There is only one way to be saved, and his name is Jesus. Young people, don't accept the philosophy of the world. Don't accept the lie of of Satan, the enemy. There is only one way to be saved. If you're here this morning watching through our live stream and you are not currently saved, listen, the enemy is doing everything that he can possibly do in your life to remind you, teach you, to, to, to make you believe the lie that you can be saved in multiple ways. He's trying to tell you this morning that you can earn your salvation. He's trying to tell you that it's good for you to be here this morning, that this is almost a, a check mark in the right box in the way of your salvation. There's only one way to be saved, and his name is Jesus. That in itself is crucial to understand. Jesus is our deliverer from sin. And sin is the common denominator, isn't it, among people? Romans 3.23, a verse that you likely all know or have heard, for all have, fill in the blank, sinned and come short of the glory of God. That includes every one of us in this room this morning. It doesn't matter what kind of sin. It doesn't matter how much sin. Any transgression against God is enough to make you guilty and in need of a holy God's forgiveness. It only takes one sin. Jesus, in the book of Matthew, holds your place in our home text here, maybe with your ribbon or a bookmark or maybe just your finger. And let's go to Matthew chapter 7, if you would, please. I, I gave you fair warning. We're going to look at several different uh, uh, texts today in our scripture. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, uh, an old familiar text here. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. 
Jesus said in this text in verse 13 and 14, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. Look at this. And few there be that find it. Jesus said here in his, in his own words that salvation is through a very, what? A very narrow gate. Meaning only through, what's he saying? Read between the lines. He's saying only through himself. Salvation is only through me. He was very clear about that in chapter 14, verse 6 of the same uh, uh, gospel of, of John, our home text. The world offers a broad range of thoughts and avenues in which all will lead to destruction. That's what Jesus is saying. I say to you this morning, it is unachievable, meaning salvation. It is unachievable in your own strength. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. You can't do it yourself. It is the gift. Aren't you thankful for that? It's the gift of God. No matter how hard you may try, you will never succeed in earning or buying your way into heaven. It truly is an acceptance. Acceptance of a gift that God is providing to each and every one of us. You have to receive it. I like this. Not achieve it. You have to simply receive it. Not achieve it. Anybody in here like to receive gifts? Oh yeah, I love to receive. I love to receive gifts. This week, I studied from home one day with the, with the storm. And as I was, as I was uh, studying, um, my youngest son brought me brought me a gift. I was very focused. I was, I was very intense, and, and he knew that dad needed a little bit of a pick-me-up, and so he came over uh, to, my, to my little office studying spot, aka my recliner. I really was. I was really in thick. Lord was stirring in my heart. I was, I was really drawing from the, from the text and from the scripture, and as fast as my little fingers would go, I was typing away, and he came over, and he said, dad, you need a break. I said, boy, Pace, God is really speaking to you. You're absolutely right. He had his hands behind his back. He said, I have something that I'd like to give to you. All right, what is it? He held it out, and it was a blow pop. I love blow pops. He said, I want to give you this. I earned this in Iwana Wednesday night. He said, you may not know, Dad, but I was clubber of the month. I said, yeah, I, I picked you up from Iwana, Pace. I know that. He said, well, this is my gift to you. Well, thank you. So let me help you. I'm going to unwrap it for you. Oh, okay, you know. And I'm trying to get back to my focus area, and I'm kind of looking and reminding myself where I was. And he wraps it, and he's fiddling around with it. And I noticed out of, out of the corner of my eye as he was unwrapping it that he was touching the head of that sucker all over it. As he was fighting and struggling with the wrapper itself, and he's pulling and gritting his teeth and, and, and stretching it over his legs and really working. And he finally gets it. He holds it up, and he looks at me put it in his mouth, twisted it, pulled it back out, and he said, here you go, Dad. Just like your mother. You are just like your mother. What are you supposed to do with that? It's a gift, right? He just warmed it up, so I just popped it in my mouth, and at this point, right, doesn't really matter. Hey, if someone offers you a gift, what are you supposed to do? Hopefully it's not a used sucker, but you're supposed to accept it, right? Think about that in the way of our salvation. It is unachievable in your own strength. Salvation, eternal salvation, and eternity in heaven with God himself, he is offering to each and every one of us, no matter what sin we've committed or how much sin we've committed, he is offering salvation to us and eternity as a free gift. All we must do is accept it. Mercy. It's unachievable. 
in our own strength. I want to say to you this morning, it is available. It is available to all. Jesus said in the Matthew text in verse 14, he said concerning this narrow gate, notice what he says. If you have that text open in Matthew chapter 7, verse 14, he says, and few there be that find it. Few there be that find it. The truth is concerning salvation, it is available to all. But Jesus said, few will find it. Now his earthly ministry The scripture and the church all point to the availability of salvation. So we know that it's not a secret. Jesus wasn't or isn't keeping a secret from the world today. He wants you, please say amen to this, he wants you to be saved. The truth of the matter is, few will find it. Few will accept it. It's a reference to those that that find the truth, believe the truth, and accept the truth. Now I want to say to you this morning, if you are in need of it today, it being salvation, walk through the gate. I can't do any better this morning than point to, as Jesus said, the narrow gate, being, being Jesus himself. He doesn't want you to be misinformed. He wants you to understand. He wants you to believe salvation the way that he has presented it, that it is only through him. If you are in need today of salvation, accept it in Jesus. Number two, believe what God has said about you, about yourself. You are important to God, Mercy. You are important to God. You are important to God. God's intention for life is that it be full of purpose and meaning. And you're meant to be a display of His hand. Think about that. Humbly we say that. But each and every one of us, we are meant to be a display of God's hand at work. Ephesians chapter 2 says that you, if you're saved this morning, say amen. You are His workmanship. You are God's work. I say to you this morning, it's important that you believe what God said about you because you're loved. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 9, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you're at church this morning, trick question. If you're at church this morning, say amen. You know what you're doing? You're continuing in the love of God. You are testifying by being here this morning. You are testifying that you are active in the love of God. You are recognizing that God, God of the universe, loves you. God not only gave his son for us, but wants you and I to cultivate his love in our relationship with him. Love is complete when you are in love, not just love. Somebody say amen to that. It's not enough that your spouse loves you. You need to love them in return. That's what it's, that's what it's meant to be, to be in love. I'll ask you that this morning. Are you in love with Jesus? Are you doing what you do for God because it is a charade, it is a ritual, it is a habit? It's what you've done for 30 years, for 40 years, it's just what you've always done? Or are you doing those things because you love Him? Let me ask you just point blank this morning, are you here this morning because you love Jesus? Are you willing to be obedient to whatever God has for you in in, in life itself because you love Him? Are you literally saying to him in your heart and in, and in your mind this morning, in this very moment of worship, God, I'll do whatever it takes for you because I love you. I recognize that you love me, but Lord, I love you. Are you in love with Jesus? I remind you, you are loved, but you're also gifted. God has equipped all of us for usefulness. Say amen to that. The problem lies in that, in that many of us in the way of usefulness this morning are ignorant to our gifting. And that leads to frustration in your life. That'll lead to a lack of fulfillment. Romans chapter 12, if you'll turn there, if you're in Matthew chapter 7, let's go to Romans chapter 12 in your text this morning. 
Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 4, please. Romans chapter 12, verse 4. Verse 4 says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. Let me look up here for just a second and explain to you this text. It's talking about us, talking about the church, the body of Christ. He says, We have many members, but in one nucleus, in one body, and all members have not the same office. What a wonderful truth. I'm thankful for that, aren't you? Everyone has some kind of a responsibility, some kind of an opportunity to serve God, some kind of usefulness to use for His glory. We are one body, but all members have not the same office. We don't have the same gifting. We don't have the same talent. Look at verse 5, if you would, please. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts, look at this, differing. According to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. And he goes on, he talks about ministry and service in the next verse, and he lists all these giftings and all of these talents. If you're saved, say amen, you will find yourself in Romans chapter 12. Some of you, you know well and good where you fit into this. Some of you have the gifting of teaching. If you're saved, you will find yourself in Romans chapter 12 because you are gifted. If you're gifted, doesn't that mean that you're supposed to use it? That you should let the hand of God play out in your life? You should use your talent for the things of God? Pastor Josh, I don't know exactly where I would fit in with my talent and my gift. Have you asked the Lord about that? I would welcome a conversation with you. I would love to point you in the right direction. I'd love to pray about opportunity for you to serve and use your gift, your talent. I would say to you this morning in the way of yourself, who you are in the way of God, it's important that you believe you are also guided. Romans 12, 2, same chapter that you're in, verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect, notice, will of God. Notice that the will of God is always good for you. It's perfect. If you're alive, God has a perfect will for you. If you're here and you're not saved, His will for you today is that you be saved. If you're saved, He has the next step planned out for you. If you seek it, you will find it. Matthew chapter 6 tells us. Your definition of good and, and God's may be different in His will, but you can trust His will. The will of God will always be acceptable, but it's going to require some trust. Your faith will lead you to it, and your faith will lead you through it. God will provide it, but He's not going to do it for you. That's so true about the will of God, isn't it? He'll always provide you with guidance. He'll always provide you with the next step, but He's not always going to take it or do it for you. He's going to ask that you trust Him, that you hold His hand through the process. We certainly must say this this morning. God's direction and timing are always perfect. Some of you are seeking God's will this morning. Some of you are seeking Him for a decision in your life. You're seeking Him for a fork in the road, if you will. You're looking for the hand of God today to guide you and to lead you. I also want to say that this is a daily pursuit, isn't it? Taking your Jesus journey one day at a time. This will open your eyes to seeing things His way. When you seek the will of God, it opens your eyes to see things the way that God sees things in your life. They don't always make sense to us, but our trust factor is growing in Him. See yourself this morning the way that God sees you. Number three, believe what God has said about others in your life. Not only yourself, but it's important what we believe about others. Embrace and work together with the family of God. If you're in Romans, let's go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, one verse in this 
this text that I'd like to, to reference. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14 says this, For the body is not one member, but what does it say? But many. Everyone that God adds to this body of believers is important. Mercy. Everyone that God adds to this body of believers is important. And to piggyback off of what we just said a moment or two ago, everyone that God adds to this body of believers should be doing something. I'll be honest with you this morning. Mentally and spiritually, when God adds to this flock, when God adds to this body, I personally wonder this. I've done this for years, even before I was the senior pastor here at BBC. I've often asked this question. I wonder how you use them, God. I wonder what they're going to do for you here. I ask that question in, in anticipation, on the edge of my spiritual seat, seeing the, the purpose and the promise of God in each and every one of us. Somebody say amen to that. Some folks that God adds to the church, you can very easily see some of their talent and some of their usefulness. Some folks that are just built with a smile, perfect for the front lobby. Others that are not built with a smile, perfect for the back lobby. <laughs> I wonder, God, how you'll use them. Think about this. I wonder who they'll lead to Christ. I wonder who they'll invite that will come and hear the truth and respond and get baptized, join the church, be added just like they were. This work is to be is to be handled and carried as a whole. The work is to be evenly dispersed. Not one person, not a team of people doing all of the work, but every one of us in the flock pulling our weight. Please say amen to that. And if you're wondering or reading between the lines this morning, yes, I'm talking to you. I'm asking you, what are you doing in the work of God? Let's do this this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, thank you for your service. Look at your neighbor. Your neighbor, the person that you are sitting to, or maybe the person next to your, next, uh, to, to your spouse or, or down the aisle from you. Listen, the, the very fact that we are sitting in here in a comfortable setting, they had a part in that. I got here this morning at 7 a.m. There were already people here making coffee, going through every Sunday school class, making sure that that television has the right program up for your Sunday school lesson, making sure that the attendance sheets are in their place, dispersing, praise God, the donuts. I want that job. Huh? Who gets that job, Everett Miller? Making sure the heat works, changing out a light bulb. Preacher, what's that have to do with anything? This is God's house. Decent, the scripture says, and in order. Jesus said at his ascension, he gave us our marching orders. He said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. There is nothing that can stop the ministry and spread of the good news of Christ. Everyone has the right to know the truth of Jesus. And that requires all of us carrying the load. I would encourage you to do this, and it, it, it will promote unity more unity, because I'm thankful for the unity that we have. I would encourage you to thank your brother or sister. Thank them for what they're doing in the name of Jesus. When's the last time that you thanked your Sunday school teacher? Hey, thank you. I don't see all of the time that you put into studying that lesson. I don't see the anxiety that you go through wondering who's going to ask a crazy question. I never see you on your knees. I know that you obviously spend that time praying for our class. But thank you for what you do in the 45 minutes that we have together every Sunday morning. Thank you, driven bus driver, for getting up on a morning that's 14 degrees, firing up that old cheese wagon, spraying vinegar on the windows this morning as they were frozen and iced over, getting ready to go out on the streets of Wilmington and pick up young people. I would encourage you to find somebody today and say thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in this house of God. 
Number four, and I'll be finished. Believe what God has said about the world. About the world. Your belief in the temporary existence of this present world is crucial to your future. Let me give you a few thoughts this morning as we, as we finish this message up. This world is not meant to be your home. And I say that to each and every one of you this morning. This is not meant to be your home. Hebrews 13, 14 says, For here we know continuing city, but we seek one to come. John 17, verse 16 says, They are not of the world, speaking of us as believers, even as I am not of the world. Those are the words of Jesus. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, I would encourage you to turn to that text. I don't want to just quote that one. I want you to see that one. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, and I'm almost finished. I know that brings great comfort and peace to your heart. I say that. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, please. Verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I say to you today that are not saved, you're lost. This is not meant to be your home. God is offering you in the way of that gift, the gift of salvation. God is offering you so much more. He's offering you an an eternal home in heaven. Listen to this, with him. You can have that today as your very own. You can know that today. You can live that out today for yourself. And then I would say to you, Christian, this is not your home. But I am finding that many of us are doing exactly what he says in 1 John chapter 2. He says not to do. Many of us are falling in love with this place. You talk about being deceived. You talk about a subtle move of the enemy. My friend, that is one. The fact that we could fall in love with a world like this, a world full of evilness and sin, the wickedness that is surrounding us today, more now than ever before in our life are we seeing the wickedness of the enemy. And we are warned to not fall in love with the world. This is not our home. I want to say to you this as well as we close. Speaking of this world, you need to know what to believe about this world. And this world is not heaven. This world is not hell. In my witnessing attempts, I've heard a whole lot of people say that I don't have to worry about going to hell. We're already in it. This doesn't even compare. Read Luke chapter 16. This doesn't even come close to comparing to hell. Whether you believe in him or not, you are in the presence of God today. And in, he- in hell, you will be absolutely exempt from all things godly. In that same text, 1 John chapter 2, if you have it open, I'll reference two verses as we close. Verse 16 and verse 17 of this text in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 and verse 17. The very same text here that we just read verse 15 from, John says that this is all going to pass away. Verse 16 of chapter 2, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world passeth away. And the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God, notice this, abideth forever. Why do I place importance, or why should we place importance on what we believe? I'd like to close with those words that we shared together in introduction from Charles Spurgeon as he said, I believe that one reason the church of God at this present moment has so little influence over the world is because the world has so much influence over the church. It's important today to know what you believe about salvation. You're here today and you're not saved, you have heard it. You need to be saved. You're here today and you're saved, you need to be living according to that salvation. 
Be completely obedient to the things of God. It's important to, to know what you believe about yourself, to see yourself the way that God sees you. It's important to know what you believe about others, to see those others the way that God sees all of us. And it's important to know what you believe about the world and to not confuse those things. And I believe that many of us are confused about multiple of these beliefs, understandings, doctrines. We need to be settled on the truth of God. Not only settled in our mind, but live it out in our life. Be active about the things that you, that you believe. Unashamed, the scripture is very clear about that. To be unashamed, you have to have it settled in here. Thank you for joining us today for Simple Truths. If you would like to accept Christ as your Savior, or if you have questions, please give us a call at 937-383-1122 or check us out on the web at bbcwilmington.org. Simple Truths is a podcast sponsored by Bible Baptist Church of Wilmington, Ohio. We hope you have a great day, and may God bless you.